Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. Thank you for joining in. Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts on that app, give us a follow. Tap a five-star rating and drop a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow there and hit the notification bell to never miss an episode. On this episode, we're talking about growth mindset, uh, trying to understand that, of course, from a Christian worldview. And for that, I went out and got Chuck and Ashley Elliott. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about them, and then we'll jump right in. Chuck and Ashley Elliott are content creators who have partnered with YouVersion, Right Now Media, and an array of other national organizations. They serve as advisory board members for the AACC's International Christian Coaching Association. Frequent speakers and popular workshop leaders, their numerous certifications in psychoeducational programs equip them to help others build relational success. In addition to speaking and writing, Chuck is a pastor at Bethel Church in Evansville, Indiana, and Ashley is a licensed counselor at Auxilium Psychological Services. Uh, You can learn more about them at chuckandashley.com. That link is in the show notes. So while you're listening, go ahead and go down there, click on that link and uh, find out more about them. But hey, Chuck, Ashley, welcome to the show. Nate, thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. This is going to be fun. Yeah, we're excited. Hey, yeah. So uh, part of this too, you guys have a have a book that's out called "I Used to Be," um, and we're going to get into that a little bit. But there was a there was a quote in there um, that that draw my drew my attention to it. it. Says we cannot completely control our world, but we can change our behavior. It's amazing how much our behavior positively or negatively affects everything around us, especially our perception of the world. And it just fits so great with our topic today of growth mindset. And here at the top of the show, just going off into it, I think terminology is so important. So for you guys, as you're speaking on this, can you maybe explain growth mindset versus fixed mindset in in your understanding of that and why that's important for somebody? Yeah. Oftentimes, whenever we think of someone who maybe has a fixed mindset, we might think of someone who says, oh, that person can't change or I can't change or it'll always be the same. I hear people sometimes say it is what it is. And I hear just little bits of that fixed mindset kind of coming in. And so rather than saying we have a completely fixed mindset or we have a growth mindset, I think it's healthy for us to think we try for the most part to have a growth mindset, but we all can kind of get in there in this negative space, start to feel that fixed mindset kind of creep in and we end up feeling like nothing can change. There's no hope, but that fixed mindset means it's fixed. It's not changing. And I think it's oftentimes that we think that about other people, you know, they're never going to change. They'll never let me in. They'll never give me an opportunity. And that might be true, but that doesn't mean that we have to feel as stuck as we sometimes feel. That's a good point because healthy things grow and whatever you feed grows. So thinking about what you're investing in has a lot to do with this as well. Am I investing in myself? Am I investing in relationships because I believe they have the ability to grow or do I not believe they have an ability to grow? When we get stuck stuck in a negative space, we tend to feel like we're out of options. So that growth mindset is like, you know, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of ways to grow. 
We just need to keep thinking about how we bring that growth. And so if I've tried five things, then okay, these are three things that didn't work at all. Two, where we can learn and we can then try to come up with five more options. And so that growth mindset is open to feedback, open to other people speaking into our lives and even being kind to ourselves. And that fixed mindset typically thinks like it's not going to change. There's no hope. I've tried everything. Those types of negative thoughts. Yeah, as I'm listening to you, when you start taking the, these concepts and moving them in, of course, from a Christian worldview, I can hear some say, well, th- there are some things we need to be fixed about, um, and I'm not changing my mind on this or that, and I, I don't disagree, but pitching it over to you on those, how do you differentiate as you're trying to grow and have a Christian worldview growth mindset what are those, how do you differentiate between the things maybe you can develop understanding of or grow around uh, and maybe parse that out just a little bit? Yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. But let's just take faith, for example. You can say, oh, I should have a fixed faith. I, I actually don't think that my faith is where it was last year. Mm-hmm maybe even last week, I think that I'm continuing to grow. So I have a growth mindset around my faith. Do I believe it's fixed that Jesus died as as my savior and that God will come back again? You know, and some of these things are fixed, but as far as my mindset, like our minds aren't fixed. Our minds are, you know, either going to be decaying and going to a negative space or they are going to be filled with life. And the scripture says that our hearts are desperately wicked. And so so we need to use the scripture that tells us that we can you know run to God to be restored there's be transformed by the renewing of our minds you know there is action that comes with growth and so i think that that fixed mindset really is maybe more fictional, you know, that no one has a perfectly fixed mindset. That just means they have a very strong opinion and that opinion can grow stronger or not. And and, and I'm speaking a little loosely here. You know, mm-hmm. I know that there are some things that we, we can believe is mm-hmm. true. Yeah. You know, it is true. God is real, but there is the faith that the aspect mm-hmm. there that like that's our faith either grows or it shrinks. So even within something we might say is fixed, there is some fluidity there too. When you can believe that God's word is true, but mm-hmm. also have a growth mindset that I don't have it fully understood and I never will. So that's that's two different things. Understanding that God is perfect and that can be fixed, but I am not. So I am striving. I'm working towards a greater understanding and a greater faith. Yeah, what I'm hearing from you is. Uh, having an understanding of top tier doctrine, um, and that's why that's why studying the Word of God and understanding theology is so important. I think sometimes it's easier to grow in some seasons than others. And it, you know, your your book is a lot about you say big losses and little losses. And I wonder your thoughts on growth during because uh, growth growth can sometimes be painful. Uh, a lot of times it's painful. Mm-hmm. But growth during a time of loss, growth during a time of pain like that, are those the best times to grow or those the maybe take a step back and rest? Or What are your thoughts on that? Whenever we go through something really difficult, it often reveals what we care about most mm-hmm. and some of the things that we value, either because it's what we put a priority on or what we realize we're missing because we no longer have it. So if you really miss that you had a relationship you really miss that you had community and that person's now gone. Okay, I really value community. I really value those relationships. So that helps me to say, what do I need to do to put that back into my life, which could be a growth moment. We see 
many times that when people will do the work to process their grief and process their loss, it's connecting them to other parts of their life, other parts of relationships that they haven't maybe explored. So let me just give you an example. If you unfortunately lose a family member or lose a spouse, you might find that you're reestablishing relationships that had been severed, had been estranged, had been disconnected, had had some tension or some awkwardness there because you're realizing, I really don't want to do life alone. I wish that I could talk to my cousin, to my brother, to that friend that I haven't talked to in a couple of years because of something that I should have let go of a long time ago. But now that you've lost your spouse, you're realizing, you know what? I could be better at relationships. And we, we see things like that come up whenever people are going through difficult times of loss. And suffering is really hard. So when we go through hard times, it doesn't feel as optimal for us to learn. But a scripture that stood out to me is Hebrews 5.8. And it says that Jesus learned obedience through his suffering. And I have a hard time with him. Like, what did Jesus learn? Like, didn't he just know everything because he was God? But it's kind of perfect. he came in human form and he learned. He learned through his suffering. And so if, if the king of the world could learn obedience through suffering, we can learn. Is it our favorite? No. I, I was telling Chuck earlier today, I'm like, man, I just wish that life could be good all the time. Like normal days, happy feelings. And I don't even care if other people have a hard time and I help them, but man, I do not want so much hard time. And yet we do learn through those hard times. And I'm still learning from some of the things that have happened in our past through miscarriage that we've experienced and through grief, through loss of jobs and loss, things that we went through at church and different things. It has been painful little by little and, and in big loads, but God has continued to strengthen our faith. And I think I've learned about myself that I am a stronger Christian at the core in some ways that I didn't know that I you read those scriptures. It says, though the rain comes in torrents, so the floodwaters rise, the house did not collapse because it was built on bedrock. And I want that to be true of myself. But now several years later, I can see I have gone through times where it feels like things are pouring down, but I have continued to run to God. And even I think we were reading a scripture this morning to the kids and Peter, and it says that we have everything we need to live a godly life. And I first read that and I'm like, oh, I'm not, I have everything I need and I'm not doing it right. And, and I was like, you know, no, we are living a godly life because a godly life is not a perfect life. A godly life is a life where I mess up and I run to God and I say sorry and I talk to the people I love and I say sorry and we keep running after God. And so I am living a godly life. So just acknowledge like it's okay to feel like you're just not measuring up and to have that growth mindset, to have that hope that we can learn through suffering. It doesn't mean that we are you know, sitting at the front of the class with our notebook and we're ready for this lesson, but that we are still trying today. I'm going to get back up. I've fallen. So the lesson today is I'm just getting myself up. Mm -hmm. It's not that straight A student kind of a feeling whenever we're learning. And I don't think you and I have talked about this, Ashley, but wouldn't you say that Job grow, grew spiritually during that trial? Mm, yeah. Because mm. we don't talk about Job's spiritual growth, and I'm kind of processing this on the fly, Nate, so stick with me. <laughs> um, uh, it's like we don't talk about that. We say, yes, he suffered, and yes, he stayed faithful to God, but he, he grew spiritually. All those things that he said, all the things that we see in Scripture, those are prayers. Those are things that he's talking to God. People are coming against him like his wife telling him to curse God and die, mm. and these friends are giving bad advice, but he stayed true. He got closer to God 
And in the end, God responded to him, and then Job realizes, wow, I have a clearer picture of who God is, and that was spiritual growth in the most um, (laughs) typical of suffering stories that we have in the Bible. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, with, uh, I mean, you bring up Job, and it, it seems strange to think about someone growing closer to God by saying the things he said to God. Because yep. a lot, I mean, you read, if you actually sit down and read through those, man, it's some, it's some raw, just stuff, just mm-hmm. vomited out to, in the direction of God. Um, and it, you, you mentioned as you're, as you're going through some of your, um, the, the suffering, the, and, and eventual healing that you guys have gone through, like the self-awareness that has come through that, um, yeah, I can hear people as they listen in like, that sounds great. I love these stories of people that have come through suffering and they're doing better. Um, how do they do it? I, d- I don't know how they did it because I'm in the middle of my suffering and I am stuck. I am stuck. Mm. What are some of those tools maybe that, that you guys developed or you found were useful for you guys coming through your own journey of restoration? I think the first step is realizing there's no it. Like, so I think that's a common thing. When you say that people might look at us or look at somebody else and say they've done it, there's no it. There's no complete, there's no other side of it. Is there healing? Yes, but there's a process. So there's times that Ashley and I still um, process grief in different ways of things that we've lost. So we lost the little ones. Um, Before we got married, I was struggling with sexual sin and that broke trust in our relationship. So do we still suffer some consequences? And is there an it that we've completely arrived in that area of our relationship? Nope. Still still grieve it, still wish it wouldn't have happened, but it's still there. But there are some steps and things that you can do. So um, I want Ashley to chip in on this as well. But there's things that you can do to find stability. There's next steps and things that you can become self-aware and say, okay, let's just fill in the blank a little bit. I'm grieving blank. I'm grieving the loss of this relationship. So what's that mean that I value? What do I love? I love relationships. So I need to think about what does it mean for me to build relationships around me? And that can be painful, but it's also what it is that we need because we're hurting because we miss them. Yeah. And we use lots of tools in our coaching and our counseling and our speaking. We like to teach people practical things because I know I like to walk away feeling like I have something I can use and Mm -hmm. go back to. So some of the things that we do is a fill in the blank prompt throughout our book. And we'll do that sometimes in workshops and we'll help people to really think like, well, what do I want to believe you? And so even looking at our coping mechanisms, for example, like I want to believe that I am God's child and I'm loved and I am favored. And, and yet my coping mechanism is, you know, to read the Bible and to do all the things. And then whenever I fail, then I shut the Bible and I think I'm not good enough and go, but I want to believe that I am. And so sometimes like, okay, wait, what I'm doing kind of perpetuates the cycle. So I want to get out of it and do something different. So that self-awareness that you mentioned is really powerful because we can learn that our habits might influence our faith. Our habits might say, oh, I'm going to work really hard. And then when I get to the end of myself, I can't work hard enough. And then I think God loves me. Like, wait a minute. That's not truth. That's just my habit, my pattern. So when I learn about myself, I can then try different things so that I can increase my faith and become 
you know, more faithful to that process. And so we do exercises to help people build mental stability. We talk about our positive negative space, which we call switch theory and help people understand their positive and negative space thinking and behavioral patterns. And this is super helpful for all of us at an individual level. Doesn't matter how successful you are, how much you're maybe struggling in your mental health. If you're a leader, if you're a follower, whatever, introverted, extroverted, we all have thoughts. And if we want to be successful, if we want to grow spiritually, if we want to grow in our relationship, we want to grow and get promoted at work, learning about our positive thoughts and how that impacts our behavior and then how that's different from our negative thoughts and how those behaviors are in a negative space is really, really powerful. Well, before, because I want to touch, you touched on something called switch theory, which I think it'd be mm-hmm. helpful to kind of define that, what it is, but yeah, well, let's jump in the hot seat real quick and <laughs> go down a, a road real quick because you mentioned kind of learning about yourself and learning mm-hmm. to, um, dare I say, trust yourself. And there, there is, you mm-hmm. know, we already talked about, you know, we are in the wickedness that is in, in us. And as we're working on our journey of restoration and coming to, uh, working on a holy life, living in holiness, all those things, um, the self, uh, it can be something where people get confused, bogged down with, wait, do I not lean on my own own understanding or do I trust myself? And where's the line? And I am so confused on this self thing. Um, and may, may the, the lean in me, is actually more to, yeah, I don't trust myself. I want to find something outside of me that is better because I don't like myself. And mm. like all those thoughts are coming in, let's bring it down to from your your guys' viewpoint, uh, professional opinions, from both theological and licensed counselor here. When it comes to trusting yourself and then also being on a, a, a journey after Christ and leaning not on our own understanding, is there incongruence there or what does that look like for the Christ follower when it comes to trusting self? Mm-hmm. Well, there's some things that you have to parse out a little bit there. So do we trust our heart? Do we follow our heart? No, it's wicked. We're not doing that. We have to be rooted in God's word. So knowing that you have the spiritual discipline of always taking in God's word and that's your foundation and that's your guide of what you do. But let's talk a little bit about trusting yourself. There's something that Ashley says that I really like, and she says, be curious. And she also says that your emotions can be teachers. Mm. Can we trust that our emotions are teaching us something? So if I feel unsafe in this moment, it doesn't mean that I'm unsafe and I can trust myself necessarily. It means that, okay, that's an alarm. That's a system that's telling me that that could be something to be investigated. And then I check it against God's word. So I feel unsafe. Why do I feel unsafe? Okay, because this seems to be an environment that is not healthy, that is sinful, that is whatever you want to fill in the blank with. That could be an indicator or a teacher that something's not right. But I'm praying about it, and I'm making it submissive, and those thoughts, I'm taking those thoughts captive, making them submissive to Christ, okay? I'm, I'm taking those into that process, and I'm putting it through that filter. And the more that we put things through that filter, the more our initial discernment, we're teaching ourselves to be better discerners mm. and recognizing that this feels godly, this feels ungodly. So just to say that I'm trusting myself on a whim without having the first, the root in Scripture, the root in a relationship with Christ, and asking the Holy Spirit to guide me in my decisions and give me wisdom and discernment that is supernatural, that's foundational, but also taking my thoughts, feelings, emotions, and behaviors and all of those things that some people might view as being their self and letting them be scrutinized, put down on paper, 
and say, God, does this line up with what it is you'd want me to do? So it's more nuanced than just saying, well, I'm just trusting myself and I am who I am and whatever. And you just show up and you get what you get. Well, that's an immature way of looking at trusting yourself. And I think we trust our heart to a little bit of a degree, right? You So you said that you know, we don't trust our heart because it's desperately wicked. Okay. But I do think there's scripture that says we should guard our heart for it's the wellspring mm, of life. Good point. And then there's a scripture that says God will take that hardened heart and he'll take it a, make it a heart of flesh. Mm. And so God wants us to have tender hearts. And I believe that there is a level to which we can trust our hearts if we're walking with God. So if I'm grabbing Chuck's hand and, and Chuck's God here and I'm like, okay, God, here's my heart. It's really vulnerable. Like I, I can like let my guard down with God's help and I can let him into that space. And I don't have to, you know, hate myself and hate my heart. And I think that as a Christian, I have done a really good job of hating my flesh and thinking, oh, it's just terrible. And, and I am learning it's okay to love myself. And I think that I could probably do a little bit more in life if I could love myself a little better. And I think that that gets in the way. If I don't like myself, then I don't, act as nicely to Chuck. Mm -hmm. And, and I was talking to a family member recently and I I felt like they maybe were struggling with liking themselves. Mm. And so I asked that question, like, are you in a positive or negative space with yourself? Like, do you love yourself? And, and like, well, what's lovable about me? I don't feel very loved. And, and I felt like that was kind of the root of some of the struggle that the person was having. And so if they could, you know, help pray like God help me love myself because if I love myself well I can love my spouse I can love my family members and become the person that God wants me to be and so that trusting yourself like we're not going to trust ourselves if we don't love ourselves and we're not going to be very trustworthy typically if we don't but I think acknowledging that there's a lot of dissonance there's conflicting thoughts and feelings and behavior you know there's Mm -hmm. a lot like okay God I'm supposed to love you and I'm supposed to trust you, but I can't see you. And so wait a minute, I'm not sure if I can. And then I'm supposed to love myself, but wait, I'm supposed to crucify my flesh and sell these. Well, we can crucify our flesh without hating ourselves. Mm. And that feels hard. You know, we can say, God, I want to give you my full self today, my brokenness, the parts of me that I want to just hide. And I'm going to do my best to do that and not feel like I have to beat myself up. I don't have to crucify myself. I can you know, say, Lord, I'm just laying it all down before you. Yeah. It, and through, through some of what you're saying there, I hear the projections that we put on making God in our own image mm. of if I overemphasize the the strange nature of God of judgment um, and all those things that don't seem to just be his first inclination. His, his first inclination isn't to just hit the smite button on us. <laughs> mm. um, then, Thank yeah, I, I, I want to I want to mirror that. Yes, if God wants to judge me and, and smite me, I too want to do that and it can feel really religious to, you know, just beat yourself up. But the first inclination of God's heart is one of mercy and love. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, I mean, if that's my focus, wow, if God loves me, how much more should I also show love for myself and others? Um, I, I, and to your point also about the, the heart, I mean, it, it, it's a second Corinthians five, uh, uh, somewhere in there, if anyone is in, in Christ, he's a new creation. Um, I mean, that is coming into this growth mindset as well, hmm. continuing to yeah. grow the new creation we are born again into. Um, but we've gone down this road too much already. The, the sidebar has been <laughs> sidebarred completely. Let's jump back to switch theory. 
because I don't want to leave that uh, just out there for the listener. Define maybe what switch theory is, what it is, and, and how it can be helpful as we navigate loss, navigate grief, but also as we're trying to grow uh, and have that growth mindset as Christians. Yeah. So in all relationships, we tend to start out in a positive space. We have positive thoughts, feelings, and behavior. And then we have something happens, oftentimes an unmet expectation, and we kind of drift toward this negative space. Yeah, and then the negative space, you have the opposite, the negative thoughts, feelings, and behavior. So you kind of have these two sides of the brain, two sides of the chart. And it's normal to go back and forth between a positive and a negative space. All of us do. There's no no people who live and they just always stay in the positive space. But it is deeper than just being in a good mood versus a bad mood. There are more than even just our thoughts and our behaviors. There's our values and our beliefs that are kind of interwoven in there in these spaces. And so if we are in a positive space with God, we think God loves me. God's proud of me. God wants to use me. Then we're oftentimes going to be more vigilant with picking up the Bible or going to church or serving in some sort of way. But then if we get in a negative space and we feel like God just wants to smite me or God doesn't care about me or God's disappointed in me, then we might pull back and we'll say, I don't even know if I believe all these versions of the Bible could be true, right? And so there's this belief level of questioning that can happen, and it can happen in a positive or a negative space. So we're really evaluating our values and our beliefs at all levels, but at just different times, maybe in the day or the month. But we can be in a positive space and then drift for a negative space for just a minute, or we can get there and feel stuck and we we don't really know how to get out for even months or years. And so a lot of the work that we do with people as a pastor, as a counselor, ministry leader, is in this negative space when they really don't know how to get out and they finally come for prayer or for counseling. And we want to help people learn how to recognize they're in a negative space and bring God into it. I think that's the first step that we've learned. And and we all want to pray. We want to bring God into our negative spaces. But even pastors, ministry leaders, Christians, people who have been Christians for years, we struggle bringing God into those negative spaces. Why? We feel ashamed. Ooh, yeah. We've done something wrong. Even someone's done something wrong to us, and we feel shameful. And so we think that God just wants us to clean ourselves up before bringing him into it. I think we're like Adam and Eve, right? They ate the fruit and what they do, they hid. But then what did God do? He says, where are you? He comes looking for them. And if he looked for them, we can just take that scripture and let it speak to us that God does want to come into our negative space. And when we do invite him into that space, we find something different. We find that he is looking with compassion where we felt like maybe he would just look in judgment. And when we feel that, we start to have those walls break down. But the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants us to feel alone. He wants us to feel like there is no hope. And so if he can get us to avoid running to God in the hard times, whether it's a big or a small thing, if it's someone else's fault or our own fault, then he wins. And so we want to say, no, I'm going to get really good at praying in hard times, at bringing God into that. And that's how we change. That's how we grow. That's how we thrive and that we bring God into those spaces. The God of all wisdom, the God of all hope, the God of all knowledge wants to be in our darkest moments. Yeah, with that, I, mean, I feel like if you're not bringing God into those places, those dark places, you just you'd have to manage it somehow. You'd have to cope, mm. and and the the best coping mechanism uh, that feels maybe right is just denial and isolation. 
And I, it was it was Brennan Manning uh, that that said uh, that which is denied cannot be healed. If we mm. if we're in denial and isolation, we cannot have a growth mindset. They just don't work together. That vulnerability is, is so important. As people are listening to what you're saying, as people are going through and they're like, okay, I I I, I hear you. Um, what? How can someone maybe assess where they're at? Because like, yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to isolate. It. I don't want to deny. Live in denial, and I do want God to be in every part of my life, including the negative spaces. Not just a bad mood, a true negative space. As as we're moving through those, what are some ways that people can assess their current mindset and and shift towards a growth mindset if they've been living out of that fixed? mindset that what sometimes can feel safer than than a growth mindset as you do an audit of your faith journey your personal journey your emotions all of that how do you assess that yeah well the first thing is is you become aware and ashley and i talk about this in the book we have the three a's to change you become aware you assess and then you act so just knowing that your mindset is not in a place that it needs to be in is the first step all right I feel like I'm in this fixed mindset. I'm in a negative space. Okay, now what are my options? What do I do about it? And that's where you get into the assessment process. You say, okay, how did how did I get into here? How did I get into this space? What does it look like? Um, what are some of the things that I've tried in the past to get out of this mindset? When have I felt good about myself? When have I been growing? When do I feel staggered? The who, what, wins, and wheres of all of that process can really help us to know what's going on there. Yeah, when we get stuck in the negative space, we start to feel like we're out of options. Mm-hmm. So that assessment process, you know, the first the awareness process, like I'm stuck in this negative space. I'm stuck. I'm not growing. I thought that I could, and I've just kind of reached reached a plateau even. And so we assess, you know, what's worked, what hasn't worked, what options can I try in the future? We're looking for things to try. And then that third A is to just act, to do something. And we'll keep cycling through these processes over time. You know, you got to continue to increase your awareness. You to look at what you've been doing, what's working, what's not working, and then you try something different. And it sounds pretty simple, mm-hmm. but let me just throw out to you that it, it is difficult, right? If we're talking about our marriage, like, oh, yes, let's just, what's not working? And like, okay, what have we tried? You know, it can feel hard. It's a trigger to say, well, I asked you out, you know, let's do a trip or whatever, and you didn't do anything. You think, oh, that was a trigger. And so it's not always as easy to just go through this process and then everything changes the next day, but we can learn when we write it out on paper and that's how we grow. We don't grow through denial. We, well, we grow hardened, right? That's how we harden our heart. We deny it's not a problem. I'm not going to deal with it. We use our defense mechanisms as our own defense system, but God gives us his word and he gives us a better defense mechanism. He gives us the belt of truth. We can handle the truth. We can handle the hope that God offers with the truth, but we often think it's better to lie to ourselves. No, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. You're like, wait, if you're not fine, you don't have to lie to yourself and say, I'm fine. You can say something a little bit more accurate and say, well, I am having a hard time, but I think I'll be okay. I just need a minute. And that's a little bit more accurate. So learning to say, what am I feeling? What's holding me back and how can I be honest with myself and with God as I go through this change process? I want to have a growth mindset. I want to grow. I don't want to stay stagnant and I want to pay attention to the way that I think, feel and behave as a result. Just going through the process of assessing can really be freeing because you realize all the options that you have. 
Wait a second. I haven't tried this type of conversation. I haven't tried going here. I haven't tried going there. And what it does is it squashes some of that victim mentality that we can all be guilty of feeling like we have no options. Could have somebody done something to you that was horrible and wrong? Absolutely. Are they responsible for their behavior? Absolutely. But healing is our responsibility. Yeah. Let's look. What are we going to do for that? And we can bring people along in the journey and we can, um, make appropriate relationships to do that, but we still have some agency of things that we can do. Let's look practically at someone's faith in God. You know, if it's, if they've been wounded by the church, if they've been wounded by someone in their family and they feel like I can't talk about faith with you anymore, you just thinking, assess, like, what are our options? Well, I can still grow spiritually on my own. I can read the Bible on my phone anywhere I I go, or I can read the hard copy. I can read in the morning or I can read in the evenings. That's just with reading the Bible. But then we can get in a small group or we can go to church. We can go out into nature. We can talk with our kids or family members. And so there's so many things. If we look at our faith and how we could grow spiritually, then we get a little bit less locked up. If we're able to say, what are some of my options? And we try to encourage people when you're doing the assessment process to just be super creative, to even think about the crazy things. You're like, well, I haven't gone up to the highest mountain. You haven't climbed Mount Everest to get connected to God. Well, maybe let's just not do that, but <laughs> go. We'll, we'll go to Gatlinburg, <laughs> go up those mountains. We can just drive up, whatever it is. But being creative will help us smile and do the things that help us just gradually move toward that positive space and feel more creative and more able to solve our problems. Well, I love that. Cause you know, when I, when I think about being stuck, um, it can be like, when I think of someone, I can be a little claustrophobic at, at times. If you get me wrapped up enough, I'm going to freak out. I'm going to start just mm-hmm. like doing whatever and panicking. Uh, and I feel like sometimes emotionally in life, uh, spiritually, it can feel that way when you're stuck and what you're giving people is, a focus, something they can do to pull back from that just spaz out moment that mm-hmm. is not productive and doesn't have creative problem solving with it. I do think when people maybe as they're working through that, and please, as you're listening, go back, write down the the AAA, <laughs> the three A's there, write them down and, and use them, get the book, read on it further um, and, and go in the show notes. You can click and go over to Amazon right now, pick that up. But as, as you, if I get to that point where I am able to, okay, I have created a habit of when I feel stuck going to uh, some type of regimen, whether it's AAA uh, or, or whatever, I'm getting to the assess part uh, so that I can figure it out. I, wanna, I don't want to slip back into negative spaces. I want to be able to do this, and I feel like I'm just going to screw it up again. This is a self, uh, the prophecy is going to come to fruition once more because mm-hmm. Bad things just happen to me. It's just who I am Mm -hmm. in internalization. How can someone uh, protect a growth mindset from those potentially negative influences and and move forward? Yeah, you bring up some some good, very practical things that people experience. So one of the things we want to normalize is getting in a negative space is a part of our daily lives. It is not something we can avoid. So if we understand that this is a natural process that we just have to learn to work through, then that gives us hope. But the problem is we oftentimes attach any negativity toward our self-worth and our identity. So if we can detach that, then we can find a little bit more hope a little more quickly. So if I mess up and I don't communicate the way I should, for me, oftentimes me being a little bit more curt or 
sharp. And, and so if I'm saying something that's a little bit unkind, then I get into a negative space. I'm like, oh, I thought I could do it well. I read my Bible this morning and then I'm still rude. So I can never measure up, right? I can feel bad about myself. But if I say, nope, it's normal. I'm in a negative space. Here I am again. I know how to get back out. I try to get in nature. I try to pray, turn on a worship song, remind myself, this is my pattern. I tend to work really hard, feel like it's not good enough, fall on my knees and remember I never was good enough. And I go, okay, Lord, I want to say sorry. Sorry to my husband. Sorry to whoever, but sorry to you. And then get back up and still, still show up for my day. And that helps me kind of move myself back to the positive space. And we cause it, we call it making a manual reset that we're moving from this negative space toward that positive space. But that identity level Mm -hmm. attachment is pretty big. And so when we can detach that and know I am okay I'm in a negative space and this is a normal part of life that um, the process of fight or flight that you kind of, you described, like we get claustrophobic, we freak out, we can't even think like normally I would know all the right things to do. Just, okay, leave. I'm claustrophobic. Let's get out. Like we don't even always think of that in the moment. We just get paralyzed. And so if we teach ourselves to say, Oh wait, here I'm in a negative space and this is normal. That's bringing our heart rate down. And then we can think a little bit more rationally instead of being in such a heightened state. Mm -hmm. And something we often tell people is the fact that you feel like a failure means that you're trying to do something. It means you had a goal. Mm -hmm. You had an expectation and the expectation wasn't met. And unfortunately, that's what it is to be human. You're going to fail. Uh, We often tell people, quit again, start again. You quit again. You know what? You had an addiction and you you did it again. You relapsed. Okay, you're going to quit again because that's the option that you want. You're going to quit again. And then you know what? You are trying to have a great new habit of communicating or pursuing your spouse and you haven't, you haven't been able to do it. You're going to start that up again. And then you're going to start it up again. And then you're going to start it up again. And then you're going to quit again. And you're going to keep on going through this because that is the path to finding victory. That's the path to walking in what it is that God's calling you to do. The other option just isn't an option, especially if you want to have a growth mindset. Yeah, with uh, with that, you talk about relationship, uh, and I think something something that's coming coming to mind for me right now is as as we're in our walk with Christ, having a growth mindset can be so uh, fantastic for your walk with Christ because sometimes it can feel like a contractual agreement, and if you mess up the, with the contract, you're like, I head back to to go, do not pass go, do not collect 200. We're, we're starting the game over again. And I just have to start over again and having it as a, you know, get back up. You're in a relationship, apologize and keep moving just like you would, uh, with anyone that loves you, cares about you and wants a relationship with you. That's Christ too. Um, and I, I also hear you saying that can be so difficult embracing the challenges. And I, it's very hard to think about those challenges as opportunities to grow rather than just a threat because they come in and they feel like a threat. And that's where I have a little dysregulation in how I'm going to uh, respond to those threats. Um, that change, renewing your mind uh, and changing to a growth mindset sounds good, but it sounds really, really hard, really hard. Um, yeah. 
and, and we talked about this a little bit, but your ability to handle those rejections and those difficult things a lot has a lot to do with our mental stability and our instability. And when you are mentally stable, you're doing the things that build stability. So what are those behaviors? What are those thoughts? What are those things you need to do to build me- mental stability on a regular basis? So you're not just trying to come from an empty well to fight something that isn't a drought. Wow. Yeah, and that brings in uh, practicing spiritual disciplines, practicing the means of grace, practicing absolutely uh, just self care, which that's a whole nother whole nother podcast, whole nother episode. Uh, before I have one more question for you, I do want to give you an opportunity to tell people a little bit more about uh, your book, where they can get it, and where they can find out more about you. Yeah. So Ashley and I, through our places of loss and the things that we went through, and Ashley being a professional counselor, me being a pastor, um, we saw that many times people got stuck whenever they lost somebody or something that they loved and they needed to navigate forward. And the title of our book is, I used to be, and then there's a blank, and you fill in the blank with what it is that you used to be or the relationship that you used to have. And we help you to reframe things. We help you to find some strength that you need to take a step forward. And our mindset can be different based on different losses, but Mm. there is a shift sometimes that happens in the way that we view ourselves. And so we may feel like I thought I could do life and now I have this depressed state or this discouragement or something in the way that we think and feel that is different and we don't like it. And so we want something to change. We want to have the the growth or the hope that we used to think we could. Like for me as a professor, I was working at a university at the time. And whenever we went through the one of the losses, I just felt so fragile. Like I was used to being able to pour into other people and I needed people to pour into me. And I also struggled asking people for help. I was the counselor. I was the ministry leader. I was the professor. I was the one helping other people. And so I found whenever I needed help, it was hard to reach out and ask for help. And so we we try to empathize with other people as we go through experiences. And then we also saw correlations to people like, oh, people don't always want to ask for help. They don't want to receive the help. And, and so as we were developing this tool, We wanted people to be able to look at the identity impact that they have when they go through losses. If you used to be employed and you got laid off or you got fired, then you'll have some identity shifts that can happen. Or if you are now a widow and you face some, you know, unwanted new titles, whatever they are, big or small, but we face these changes and then they affect our identity. And so we want to help people grow, whether they're you know going through small things or big things. We want them to grow closer to God, grow in the awareness of how to help themselves and to get stronger. And so we've seen a lot of people really thrive. And they say, I didn't even know that I was grieving some of these things. And so we don't always uh, attribute the word grief to like a job loss or a divorce or some sort of other relational struggle. And so helping people give them space to grieve is a pretty powerful thing. Yeah, I I love that phrase you put there, taking on unwanted titles. Because, um, I mean, everybody wants to, they they want to know how to think about people. They want to know how to relate to people. So they're, they're going to put you in the box. And mm-hmm. you fit in the divorced box. And you fit in mm-hmm. the uh, jobless box. And you fit in the homeless box. And you fit in the, and fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it sound, yeah, it sounds like your book uh, title is right on on par there. Uh, before we before we go, because we're running out of time, I do like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the Grace Story community, to our listeners. And if there's something you'd like to share on what we've talked about or something that's been on your heart lately, 
what message would you like to leave with our listeners regarding this journey of developing a growth mindset, uh, certainly rooted in, in Christian spirituality, Christian worldview. Uh, but what, what's on your heart today? First, any losses or struggles that you faced, we're sorry. And we're sorry if the church has hurt you, if a counselor hasn't been helpful or a family member didn't have the skills that they needed to support you. But we want to encourage you that God still is perfect. God's way is perfect. His promises prove true. This is from Psalm 1830. But he is your shield and he will will protect you and guide you if you will duck under his covering and go to him for help. And so we encourage you to keep going back to God. And whenever you have things that you don't like about life and the things that you're seeing, you know, that you take that to him and help yourself learn how to go to him because he will help you grow. So good. Oh, so good. Uh, well guys, thank you so much for coming on great story podcast. Thank you for sharing your heart. Thank you for sharing your resource, uh, with the book, uh, in, uh, coming on great story podcast today. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It's been great. Thanks. And to you, the listener, thank you for joining in. Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go over there, give us a follow, tap a five-star rating, and drop a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow there, hit the notification bell to never miss an episode. We're always eager to hear from you, so feel free to send us an email with any suggestions for topics, your thoughts, or feedback. Nate at GreatStoryMinistries.com. That's where you'll hear that. There is no us without you. So get engaged, continue on the journey of restoration. We'll see you in two weeks for a new episode. And until then, we'll be praying for you.